Hi, BT Focus listeners. We got a great episode today, an awesome discussion on functional assessments, which if this is a new term to some of you, welcome. This is a really awesome topic and something that, if I'm quite honest, I didn't have a great understanding of when I first entered the field. Uh, It's a wonderful application of our science to really understand what are the variables which are maintaining problem behavior. So uh, it's a very, it's a great conversation, but in many ways, it's just a primer. Uh, You know, in 30, 40 minutes isn't isn't often enough to have a full in-depth conversation on an FA. So one resource that I'd really encourage you to check out if you're interested in learning more is a website, which I have a link in the show notes called practicalfunctionalassessment.com or the PFA. And it is by a group of PAC practitioners who are truly cutting edge and the best of the best when it comes to this particular type of uh, functional assessment and functional analysis process. And some sections to check out on the website, they've got some great tutorials. So I think having some visual elements, um, some great presentations. Uh, Dr. Greg Hanley is just phenomenal. One of my favorite behavior analysts. He's a tremendous teacher of the the FBA and the PFA. Um, And so just check it out. I really encourage you. And then there's also a section two on there for parents. Now, even if you're not a parent, what I love about this section is that um, the process is explained in a very easy to understand common language for somebody that maybe is not a behavior analyst or in the field. So practicalfunctionalassessment.com. Check it out. It is just so inspiring to me to see the outcomes that are a result of a very thorough functional assessment, which ultimately leads to very comprehensive treatment. So sit back, relax, enjoy a really fun conversation. And with that, take it away. Welcome to the RBT mini-series presented by the BT Focus podcast as we walk you step-by-step through the second edition RBT task list on your path to certification and elevating your practice. Hello and welcome back to another RBT mini-series edition of the BT Focus podcast. I am thrilled to be joined again by Mr. Dan Jones and Miss Logan Worcester. Hey, guys. It's great to be back with you. Hey, great to be here. Hey, Brian. Glad you're back. Yeah. I know. I'm going to be a little bit honest. I, I feel like a little... You guys have been running the show the last two episodes of this this series. If you haven't listened to B1 or B2, check them out. They're fantastic. Uh, is it okay that I'm kind of a third wheel on this discussion today? Is it okay that I join you? <laughs> Actually, we were hoping we just take the reins on this one. <laughs> How about this? We'll co-pilot on this episode. Okay. That sound good? Yeah, good. it's been super fun to see the work that you guys have been doing because I um, I wear a couple hats on the podcast and I edit these as well. So you guys have had some great recordings and some that we're about to release. And so it's kind of like unwrapping a present, like, okay, I can't wait to hear what conversations that they're having. And like when I'm laughing while we're editing, I'm like, this is, this is a great sign. So you guys are naturals. Um, I'm just trying to fit in today. So (laughs) awesome. And before we get too into the episode, there's one 
there's one shout out that I wanted to give to someone on this call. A congratulations is in order to Logan. Logan, you passed a pretty important test a couple a couple days ago. You are now a BCBA. I did. It feels awesome. I I know in the past you had to wait 30 days to get your results back. Mm-hmm. Now they give them immediately. So I got my little paper that said pass and it was awesome. So. Uh, probably the best feeling in the world. Yeah. I think I need to like insert some applause. Maybe I can find some like applause effects when I'm, when I'm <laughs> editing this afterwards. Yeah. So you get the results. What's the first thing that like runs through your mind? Well, I had my baby shower this Sunday. So I was like, great. Now there won't be any damper on the party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm done studying. (laughs) Yeah. Forever. 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 (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. You get the, you get the results like right away. I went, you know, a couple, couple years ago when I passed the exam myself, it was kind of like, yeah, you're going to get the results like in this huge window of time. You're not going to know when. And so I was just like compulsively checking my email. I just finally had to tell myself, stop checking your email. You're going to get your results when you get the results. And I remember it very vividly. It was like a Friday evening at like quarter to 10 o'clock at night. I had told myself going on that weekend, like, okay, I'm going to check my email at five o'clock. And if I don't get my results, I'm going to put it away for the entire weekend. I'm not even going to think about it. And then like quarter to 10 o'clock, I get a phone call from one of my buddies who like also was in grad school and took the test at the same time. I'm like, this can only mean one thing. (laughs) So I answered the phone. He's like, did you check your scores? I'm like, okay. And he passed. I'm like, well, this is going to be really awkward if I didn't. And I'm on the phone with him as I'm checking. And I was just like elated to see that I did pass. Time and space stopped for maybe five to 10 seconds. And then, uh, yeah, celebration ensued. So uh, congratulations, Logan. This is the the end result of years of work. So um, (laughs) that's incredible. And now now the fun start is just starting. So congratulations to you um, on that. For sure. Congratulations, Logan. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have any, maybe one last thing, any advice to people who are listening who maybe are like pursuing their BCBA and maybe like they're, they're like any just words of encouragement because it's a long process and a lot of work goes into that. Like now with some like wisdom and reflection, like what advice would you give to people who are on the path themselves? I think just staying organized, um, you know, remembering what the end goal is and knowing that it's worth it in the end. Um, lots of studying. I liked lots of mock exams. I think that helped prepare me the most for the, the actual exam. So just really sticking to it and know that, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So. Yeah. Light at the end of the tunnel. That's huge. Yeah. If I could add maybe one piece of advice from my perspective as well. Um, I had two, so my twins were born, uh, right before I graduated, like a week before I graduated from grad school. And I decided to sit for my test, like the first opportunity I had, I just thought to myself, like, life is only going to get crazier, not easier. I just want (laughs) to take this test while it's fresh. And so I'm going to do it. And so um, studying was not what I envisioned it would be for this. I had like, if I did not have kids, I probably would have been like, you know, I'm going to, you know, go to the library for eight hours and I'm going to just knock out like all of this like uninterrupted studying. 
that wasn't happening for me. So I would, it would be 30 minutes here, 15 minutes there. I got an hour. I'm going to study for an hour here. And, um, like, I guess my, my study advice is just do it. Like, don't wait for there to be the perfect opportunity to study. Um, be okay with, you know, I got, I got 15 minutes and I'm waiting for an appointment or I'm, you know, like washing the dishes. I'm going to listen to a podcast maybe. (laughs) So, so don't, don't like hold yourself to perfection in the sense of like all of the conditions must be perfect. Just do like behave, just do it. Right. And, and you'll get momentum. The more you come in contact with the material, the easier it's going to be to jump right back into it. Um, And I think if you're waiting for the perfect opportunity, it's likely not going to come. So <laughs> make the most of the time that you have and just, just do it. Right. And uh, great things will come. So awesome. Well, great. Well guys, I'm super excited to talk about this topic today um, to pick up where we left off. We are concluding uh, section B on the RBT task list on measurement. I'm sorry. We're concluding section B on assessment. And today we are going to be on B3, which is assist with functional assessment procedures. So I had just a couple initial thoughts before we jump into this discussion, because I'm going to be very honest, when I entered the field as an RBT, this is a topic that I knew little to know about. Um, Because in all actuality, it's not something that necessarily you come in contact on a day-to-day basis as an RBT if at all in some cases, and we'll explain why. Um, but before we get in, like, so so Dan and Logan, you've both been in the field many years as a behavior technician, RBT. How many times have you participated or, you know, observed uh, an FA? And we'll explain what all this means in just a moment. I have seen like mock FAs online. I've never actually observed or participated one in person. Okay. Yep. I know during my time as an RBT, certainly before I was in grad school, I didn't observe any. Dan, have you had any encounters with FAs in practice? Yeah, I have seen two to three. Okay. Um, And it usually always started with my behavior um, I su- sorry, my supervising clinician uh, having me run a mass on the, the function of the behavior. Um, and then uh, they would try to utilize my observed experiences to come up with kind of what the FBA looks for. And that why is this behavior happening? Um, and if that doesn't work, then they'll run an FBA. So I've seen probably two or three. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's helpful. Um, we're going to talk a bit more about like the some foundational elements of the FA. What we can say initially is that the results or the byproducts of an FA is what informs the interventions that you use every day as a behavior technician, as an RBT. The actual practice or the um, um, like completing of the procedural elements of a of an FA is going to be something that falls under the scope of your BCBA. So you might assist to varying degrees under the close supervision and support of a BCBA, or you you might not at all. However, I think it's very important to have a good understanding of the why behind an FA, because it it, it truly informs the work that you do um, as, as an RBT. So 
let's just start off with an initial definition. And then I have a good analogy that I'd like to share that kind of uh, explains an FA in a very easy to, to grasp way. So, so let's talk about um, a functional analysis. So the purpose of a functional analysis is to seek to understand what are the controlling variables around problem behavior? In other words, why are problem behaviors occurring, right? And so we know that if a behavior is occurring, it is being reinforced in some way, right? I think it's Aubrey Daniels who said, behavior goes where reinforcement flows, right? So if a problem behavior is occurring, there's something occurring in the environment that A, is evoking it or triggering that behavior to occur. And then there's also something in the in the environment that is reinforcing that behavior, which is allowing it to maintain and persist over time. So we're trying to figure out what are the triggers and then also how is this behavior being reinforced as well. And in behavior analysis, we are always looking to demonstrate a cause and effect relationship, right? We call that a functional relationship. Um, we want to have and used another term, experimental control. So if intervention A is put into place and we see behavior B change as a result of it consistently and repeatedly, we can say that we have experimental control. And that's important for an RBT because we want to know how do we reliably turn a behavior on and off, right? Because that ultimately comes down to safety. We want to make sure our staff feel supported. They're in an environment where we, the goal is zero rates of problem behavior, zero, right? So in order to get to that, we need to get to the root cause of why the behavior is happening in the first place. And the, the functional analysis, and again, there's many different types. This will, this will be a high level overview. And we'll share some resources where you can learn more about FAs and the notes and later on this discussion. But this is going to be kind of like one of our diagnostic tools, right? It's kind of like an x-ray. You know, if a good physician, when you're trying to get to a root cause of, of, a, of a problem, they have a number of tools in their toolkit that they can utilize, right? There's something wrong in my arm. All right, let's take a deeper look. What's, what's causing it? So then we can figure out what's the appropriate intervention. Same thing here with an FA, okay? Um, so, so let's talk about some of the classic conditions of an FA, and then I'll be able to kind of discuss like how is this most relevant to your scope of practice as an RBT, right? Again, because this is going to be one that you're not going to come in contact in your daily practice. However, the interventions that you utilize are informed exclusively through function-based treatment, right? All right, so let's get started. So a functional analysis, um, and here's another here's another word. There's a functional. There's two different um, terms that I want to define. A functional assessment and a functional analysis. What's the difference? Hey, Logan, you just passed your BCBA exam. Do you mind if I pitch this to you? What's the difference between a functional assessment and a functional analysis? So I believe the assessment is kind of like an umbrella term for um, descriptive like ABC data collection. Um, parent interviews. Parent right? interviews. Um, let's see, ecological assessments, things like that. And then also a functional analysis falls under that. And then the functional analysis is the experimentation. Um, so observing the behavior in different conditions 
um, with that experimental control. Absolutely. Wow, you, you nailed it. Spoken like a true VCBA. Yeah, so <laughs> functional assessment, umbrella term to describe you know, a number of different tools that are all geared towards finding the root cause or the function of a behavior. However, analysis is a step further in that process in which we actually experimentally um, manipulate and observe the environment in a number of different controlled conditions so that we can isolate or attempt to better understand the relationship between the environment and the behavior, right? Um, so so it's, it's really, you know, built on, um, how, you know, experimenting and seeing what are the effects of the environment. So very good, very good. Okay, so now let's, before we go even deeper, let's start off with a bit of a review on what are the functions of behavior, okay? So Dan, can you tell me what do we view as like the four classic functions of behaviors and, and research is evolving in this area, but let's just go with like some of our foundational four kind of primary functions. Uh, yeah. So mnemonically, I like to remember them via seat S E A T. So the first one is sensory in that seat. The next one is escape. The next one is attention. And the fourth is tangible. And most of the time it's using access. So seat, S-E-A-T. I love that. That's a really good study tip, right? Um, you know, what are the four functions of behavior? Um, here, you might be in a scenario-based setting where, you know, Johnny is exhibiting behavior X. What would be like a hypothesized function of that behavior, right? And so maybe just in everyday terms, let's break, break each of those down. So sensory, right? Um, a behavior that results in some sort of sensory reinforcement Maybe we could say it is um, for acquiring, um, so positive, is it also, sensory is what you could also use the term automatic reinforcement. They often get used interchangeably. Um, but in everyday terms, it's producing a sensation which is reinforcing, right? So think of our five senses, you know, sight, right? Auditory, hearing, taste, touch, tactile, right? Um, so, through engaging in those senses, there's producing a, a force, a form of reinforcement that is um, a sensation that is reinforcing for the learner. So you might see, um, oftentimes with individuals on the autism spectrum, we might see some self-simulatory behavior. Maybe it's hand flapping or body rocking, body tensing, right? Why is it happening? It's because it's producing a sensory reinforcement. What's important to know about sensory reinforcement? We all do it, right? <laughs> I'm doing it right now. I'm noticing I'm kind of moving back and forth in my chair. You know, how many of you crack your knuckles, right? Uh, you know, you're in the car, you're singing a song, right? I have to be mindful of this. Yeah, I'm going to do this on the microphone. Got my pen, right? I'm in a meeting. I need to make sure I'm going to move that pen away from me because I'm doing it without even realizing it, right? So, so, so that's a that's a big one. Another part of sensory reinforcement. You get a mosquito bite. What do you do? You itch it, right? yeah. You itch it, right? We call that pain attenuation. It's you're engaging in a behavior because something hurts, and you're trying to make it feel better. And so, um, you know, that's an important thing to keep in mind because when a consideration for a clinician when they're running an FA is we need to make sure there's also not any underlying medical conditions that might be a result of uh, that might result in. In some cases, you know, self-injurious behavior. If a client is that has no history of self-injurious behavior, maybe they're non-vocal, so they don't have the form to communicate that something's hurting. And you know, 
um, you know, they start engaging in, in head banging behavior. We need to go to the doctor, right? Because, and there's been studies to show this, like, well, the child had an ear and inner ear infection and they had no way to tell anybody, right? So it's always important. This is more of like a disclaimer for clinicians listening. We need to make sure that we're collaborating with our overall treatment team to make sure there's not a medical component to it as well. But it's a long way of saying sensory reinforcement. It produces a sensation that is reinforcing, right? Very good. All right. E, escape. Logan, what, what are we referring to here? So I like to remember that escape is always negatively reinforced behaviors. Um, something is subtracted and the behavior is increasing. So yep. um, a really common example, you place a demand on a client and then they engage in some behavior. If you remove that demand, they're escaping that, yeah. that activity. Yeah. You're getting out of something you don't want to do, <laughs> right? The homework assignment is placed on the desk and the assignment is ripped into pieces. <laughs> that is an escape maintained behavior, right? Or here's another one I experienced this morning. Uh, the alarm went off. Uh, did, did I jump out of bed with zeal for the morning without a moment's hesitation, <laughs> just ready to seize the day? Uh, no. What did I do this morning? Just one time, <laughs> just once. What did I hit? The snooze button, right? That's escape maintained behavior. And then I got out of bed and made some coffee and uh, <laughs> went about my day. So good, good. Um, attention, right? This is huge. We are so, we are we are social creatures, right? Um, we we live in community, right? Attention, and here's another thing: attention. Like we could, I'm using air quotes, like negative attention. I'm using air quotes, right? Reprimand, scolding. It's still attention, right? And you'll see that sometimes. Child engages in behavior and it results in a huge response from a parent. And I've been there. I'm a parent myself. I've done it myself. <laughs> I must say, I'm, I must admit it from time. Like, you know, child is engaging in some sort of severe behavior and it results in attention and that attention is reinforcing. So that's another one. What's our last one? So we see S-E-A-T, tangible. What are we talking about, Dan? Uh, most of the time, this is talking about access to um, specific items, objects. Uh, sometimes it can be even access to a particular area uh, or even a person. I know right now, one of the big things that is just predominant in um, behavior technicians uh, daily in, in and out is YouTube. Access hmm. to YouTube, access to any type of technology like an iPad or a phone. I know that definitely can be associated with a lot of challenging behavior. Uh, so we, we are definitely talking about access to usually an object here. Yeah, but not for sure. Object. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff, right? We, we, we engage in a behavior to access stuff and it could be a preferred item or activity, the proverbial iPad, right? I, I think <laughs> we've, <laughs> right. It's a powerful reinforcer. It makes sense, right? It's highly reinforcing. There's good dopamine response, you know, that happens when you're interacting with that technology. And so, um, so yeah, so those are the four functions. So when we're talking about an FA, there's many different types, but what we're trying to isolate are what are the controlling variables and what is the function of the problem behavior? Because if we can determine the function or functions, guys, what are we then able to do? Create an intervention that is function-based. We're withholding the reinforcer for the target behavior. 
um, potentially reinforcing alternative behaviors or providing non-contingent reinforcement of that variable to decrease that target behavior. A hundred percent. Really well said. Exactly. We're trying to identify the root cause, figure out why is this problematic behavior occurring, and then teach appropriate alternative responses that allows them to access that reinforcement, right? So let's go back to the example that homework assignment gets placed on the desk and it gets immediately ripped up, right? It's clear to say, okay, you could say that the tension, the function of that is more than likely escape. What can we teach them? Dan, what are some skills we could teach somebody that has escape maintained behavior? We can teach them to ask for more time. We can also teach them to ask for an alternative activity. We can teach them to ask for a break. We can, uh, I know a lot of the times parents don't like this, but we can also teach them to uh, procrastinate, which <laughs> I think is, a, is it's, an, it's a natural human thing. And so it's okay, I think, for a kiddo or an individual that we're working with to say like, mm, I don't want to do this right now because that's their voice and that's, that's what we're teaching. So we can teach many different strategies there. Uh, those are just a couple examples. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Ask for help, ask for a break, ask for more time. We're working on this with our two-year-olds right now. They're, you know, their their language is starting to develop. And oh, gosh, our son's Colby, dude. That little guy just loves being outside. I mean, he's he is just in his element with his trucks outside and transitioning from a highly preferred environment back into the house has been a challenge at times. So we're teaching him to ask for one more minute. <laughs> so, hey, buddy, it's time to go. It's kind of go inside. One more minute, please. One, it's adorable. But two, it's been an appropriate alternative response. And it's make those it made those transitions easier. And that's what we're trying to do for all of these things, right? So I'm going to just give you a general overview. I'm going to just paint a very broad picture of a functional analysis because there are many different types, right? You could have like what we would call more of like our traditional analog functional analysis where we have very controlled, isolated conditions where you're systematically testing one function at a time. Okay, here's our attention condition where... Um, you know, attention is is not um, provided. And then when problem behavior occurs, it's reinforced, right? So, and it's in very isolated, discrete conditions. I'm going to say something else. Functional analyses to an untrained observer might look strange. <laughs> Why am I saying that? What do I mean? Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to, A, determine the, the function of the behavior, but B, we're trying to keep things safe. So what that means in the moment is that we are actually, this is going to sound so countercultural, we're going to be reinforcing problem behavior, right? So if that felt like a mic skip, like what? <laughs> we're, we're reinforcing problem behavior. We, we, we talk all the time about not reinforcing problem behavior, reinforcing alternative behavior. You're right, right? But in an analysis condition, the goal is safety and it's to to understand the underlying cause, right? We've got so much time after that, after we determine the function to have a really comprehensive, you know, treatment. We're not there yet. We're we're doing the X-ray, right? We're not putting the cast on yet. We're doing the X-ray. So what it might look like to an untrained observer is we are making these changes in the environment to try to evoke, not provoke. I'm not trying to provoke a child. I'm not trying to be mean or cruel or anything. But we're trying to change the environment 
in a way to, to mimic what already is occurring in life, right? So when mom is on the phone and doesn't have time to provide attention to their child and problem behavior occurs, and we think it's attention-maintained behavior, well, then in an attention, an attention condition, we're going to remove that attention. And if problem behavior occurs, we're going to provide that attention, right? So we're going to create an environment in which the problem behavior could be possibly evoked, and then we're going to reinforce it immediately to keep it safe, to turn the behavior off, so to speak. And a great analogy that I cannot take credit for, I heard it from Dr. Greg Hanley, who I admired tremendously, and maybe he came up with it, maybe he heard it from someone else, but I'll share it. And it's uh, the allergy test metaphor. And we've talked about this before. Um, Dan or Logan, have either of you had an allergy test in your life? I have not. My sister recently had one, and okay. so I know her okay. experience with it. <laughs> okay, so I've heard they're not the not funnest either. thing in the world, right? Right, Dan, have you had one? No, I have not okay. either. Okay, so for those of you who are listening who are maybe fortunate souls and haven't had an allergy test, I have not either, fortunately as well, um, but I know family members who have. So why are you going to the doctor in the first place? You think you might be allergic to something. There's something in the environment that is uh, eliciting a response where you're having, you know, maybe you're having hives or maybe it's, you know, am I allergic to like pollen? Is it like, whatever, whatever the, whatever the like uh, allergen might be, you don't know. So you're going to the doctor. And so it could be a whole host of things. And so what does a really trained doctor do? Well, the first thing that they do is they have, they will expose you to small and safe amounts of a suspected allergen to see if it evokes a response. What they also do is they use, um, you know, a small exposure of like a neutral element, a saline solution, which is really like their baseline, right? So expose you with a, you know, a small amount of saline solution, which should evoke no response, right? And then they're going to evoke you with a small amount of a suspected allergen. That's what we're doing in an FA. We think we know what the function of the behavior. We obtain that through interview, direct observation. We haven't manipulated the environment anyway to see if there's a cause-effect relationship. So um, after they've, you, you know, your really trained doctor does the allergy test, they see which of them evoked a response. And for those that evoked a response that you're allergic to, now they can give you a medication that can solve the problem in the first place, right? So FAs are important because they might look strange and maybe like even a little bit like this isn't very nice. They're, they're, I'm using air quotes, they're provoking my child and then they're reinforcing it. Like what? That doesn't make any sense. Right. But ultimately, no, like this is, this is something that's rooted in our ethics. We have an ethical obligation to be effective, to be effective. We need to know what's the underlying cause of the behavior. So this allows us to very precisely target the function of behavior. And so, um, that's a great analogy and a great metaphor and something to keep in mind. Um, I'm going to add one more kind of caveat to this, this general description of the function of behavior. And this is a, um, this is an evolving concept that has gained more and more understanding in the research over, over the last several years. Um, and it was something that was very different to me when I was exposed to it as well. And it's that behaviors are rarely occurring in isolation, Right. So a problem behavior is rarely maintained by a single reinforcer, right? It's usually not just tangibles, right? It's usually, um, let me put it this way. People like stuff, right? 
But people like stuff, especially after they're getting out of something they don't want to do, right? So last night, if you were to give me the the option of like, hey, Brian, you don't have to do the dishes tonight. In fact, like, go go watch a movie, man. Like, have a good time. So I just escaped and I got access. And you know what? Does does your wife, Carly, does she want to watch you with you? Go. Like, so, okay, cool. So escape from a demand, access to a preferred item with a preferred person, like, that's awesome, right? So, so functional analysis has evolved over time as well. Um, you know, at Century, we've been doing a lot of work with the practical functional assessment, the PFA, and uh, that's through Dr. Greg Hanley and his team. I'll I'll link their website in the show notes because he's just an incredibly skilled speaker and teacher of the FA process. I think it just gives you such a rich understanding of the application of our science in a way that is leading to socially meaningful outcomes, right? Talking about working with families that are severely impacted by challenging behavior, whose lifestyles have been, you know, dramatically changed through a really comprehensive assessment, which leads to very comprehensive treatment process. Okay. So, that is like a very high level overview of what is an FBA. Again, like do do like additional research. I encourage you learn more about it. Our science is incredible. It's evolved so much. There's many different types of FA. This is more a general discussion of like what is an RBT's role in an FBA. Okay, so let's transition to that process as well. Okay, so Dan, true or false? Uh, uh, RBT is responsible for developing and, and implementing an FBA independently. False. False. They, they False. do not develop or, or run it independently. That's your supervising clinician's job. A absolutely. However, what are some ways that an, a BT or an RBT can collaborate with their, their BCBA um, in the process of an FBA? You can observe the behaviors. Um, you can be involved in those five conditions that I believe we kind of outlined, um, including that con control condition, where you are being the one that is controlling access to attention um, or, contro or controlling access to tangibles or controlling access to escape. You uh, can also specifically think if there's anything else. I know there's a lot that you can do. Um, probably the biggest thing is just to follow your supervising clinician's lead. Let them know yeah. um, if you're uncomfortable doing anything or you need something modeled for you. Absolutely. Yeah, we always, always, always need to practice within our scope of practice and competency and training. Um, but you touched on some great things and things that I, I've encountered in my practice as well. And I think a big piece that RBTs or BTs can assist with is prior to designing an FBA, a clinician wants to obtain as much ecologically relevant information as possible um, to for them to develop what are the conditions of our FA going to look like? So I'll be, Dan, you know, tell me, like, when problem behavior occurs, here's one of my favorite interview questions. Dan, I got a million dollars, all right? This million dollars is right on the table, and it is yours. But I need you to tell me in as much detail as possible, one, if this behavior, how, how would this behavior turn on, right? I'm going to use a turn on, turn off. If, um, if I said, okay, million dollars is yours, Dan, but what would, what would, evoke problem behavior and you might say oh no it's easy you know it, you take away the ipad 
Um, you tell him to go, you know, have a seat at the table. And he then needs to be instructed to do writing. He hates writing. He absolutely detests writing. And then uh, mom needs to walk out of the room. She can't be there, right? Okay, so what what did I obtain? What's going on in my head as a clinician that moment? Oh, okay, right? So uh, task demands, you know, something, an unpreferred activity, uh, denied access to attention. Okay, mom can't be there, cool. Um, Relinquishing a preferred item, iPad, got it. We're gonna have that in the assessment. Make sure the iPad's, you know, charged and ready. It's going to be there come, you know, analysis time. Um, and then I'll say, okay, Dan, $2 million, double or nothing. It's on the table and it is yours, my friend. How would you turn that behavior off? Oh, it's simple, you know, like, hey, man, you don't have to do writing. No worries. Mom, come back in here. Awesome. Yeah, iPad, it's charged Angry Birds. We're going to, oh, buddy, you're going to get a high score on Angry Birds. You know, I'm just going to sit back and watch, right? What, what did we unpack from that? What are the possible reinforcers, right? What are the establishing operations? What are the things that might trigger or evoke that behavior, right? The MO, right? That's, that's the, that's the uh, test condition, if you will. If we're talking about a, you know, uh, use some more t- complex terms, a synthesized contingency, where it means that we're going to put not just one reinforcer at a time, we're going to put all of them together, right? <laughs> and we're going to see what we can find. We have found the establishing operation, then we found the reinforcers, right? So, and anyway, what I'm trying to say is you as an RBT, you're with our clients the most. You're an expert in them. So you can provide very rich information to inform your clinician and the development and implementation of an FA, right? So very, very good. Very good. I wish I had this conversation when I was a brand new BT because without an understanding of the functions of behavior, our interventions don't always make sense, right? If you don't know the why, and you're just implementing a, a program just because, I've been there. I, before I had you know uh, a strong understanding of our science, and before I met some really great mentors, I, I, I was in some ways just, I was programming the way I was told, right? And it wasn't a complex understanding, but, but it's important. Right. So um, very good. Very good. All right. Well, we're close at time. So let's do a real quick rundown of a couple test prep questions. You guys ready? Awesome. All right. right. New BCBA. This first one is for you. Okay. Got multiple choice for you. Number one, what is the purpose of a functional analysis? Is it A, form a hypothesis for the function for problem behavior? B, demonstrate the variables responsible for maintaining problem behavior, C, assess the client's current skills and deficits, or D, assess treatment effects. Hmm. This is a good one of like, what is the best answer, right? (laughs) I'm going to go with B, demonstrate the variables Hmm. responsible for maintaining problem behavior. You got it, Logan. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're demonstrating that cause and effect relationship. So we're actually testing, right? We're using our science and we're observing the effects. Very good. One for one. All right, Dan, number two, this is you. Which condition is being described in the following scenario? The RBT delivers the demand, fine dog. The client responds by kicking the RBT in the shin. Following this behavior, the RBT immediately removes the pictures and turns away from the client. Okay, is this A, an alone condition? Is it B, contingent attention? Is it C, contingent tangible access? Or is it D, contingent escape or demand? 
That would be D, contingent escape or demand. Absolutely, absolutely. The client shows that, yeah. The client shows yeah, that challenging behavior. The client shows that challenging behavior, and then the behavior technician gives into that escape when a demand is given after. Perfect. Beautifully said. You guys are rock stars. Okay. I got one more. Logan, this last one's for you. Once the functional analysis is complete and the function has been determined, what is the next step for the RBT? Is it A, to write a behavior intervention plan? Is it B, continue providing reinforcement for the target behavior? Is it C, follow the behavior intervention plan written by the BCBA and continue to take data on the target behavior or D, none of the above? I'm going to go with C. We want to follow that um, intervention plan that is written by a qualified BCBA and then continue to take data to see what kind of effects that intervention plan is having on the target behavior. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. We are informed by the results of the FBA and your clinician will be writing a comprehensive treatment plan uh, as a result of that assessment. And then you are highly skilled and trained uh, BTs and RBTs are going to be those expert teachers who are teaching the skills that are based on those function-based treatment practices. So wonderful. Well, guys, a, it's so good to be reunited with you again. <laughs> so I very lo- much look forward to our next episode together. And B, I got to tell you, you guys are a dynamic duo. And I have been thoroughly enjoying listening to you guys take the reins <laughs> on this. And I'm just massively impressed by both of you. So thank you both for your time today. Of course, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. And one more shout out, Logan. Congrats, PCBA. <laughs> thank you. All right. Take care, guys.